The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. So a travel ban in place as President Trump prevents travelers from coming to the continent and he blames Europe for seeding virus hotspots in the States. U.S. futures have moved sharply lower on the back of the news. The end of an 11-year bull run as the Dow pushes into bear market territory. This is the World Health Organization officially declares coronavirus a pandemic. Elsewhere, Wall Street executives scrambling to find a response to the crisis in a meeting with the White House. But big bank CEOs uh, make it clear the current sell-off is different to 2008. This is not a financial crisis. The banks and the financial system are in sound shape and we are here to help. And Italy locking down, well, it's tightening. The government closes all but essential services in the toughest restrictions since the Second World War. At this moment, the whole world is certainly looking at us for the numbers of the contagion. They see a country that is in difficulty, but they also appreciate us because we are showing great strictness and great resistance. The pressure piles up on the ECB to act, with analysts predicting a mix of policy measures and rate moves to help the Eurozone economy cope with market shocks. So very good morning, everybody. Uh, And we awake to the news this morning of a fresh travel ban. This time, U.S. President Donald Trump has announced a ban on travel from Europe to the United States. It's an unprecedented move. The measure will go into effect on Friday at midnight and will be in place for the next 30 days. It applies to the whole Schengen area, but it doesn't include the United Kingdom. U.S. citizens are also exempt from the ban. President Trump clarified in a tweet that the restriction affects people and not goods, saying trade will not be impacted. Calling coronavirus a foreign virus, Trump attacked Europe for not taking the same actions to control the outbreak. The European Union failed to take the same precautions and restrict travel from China and other hotspots. As a result, a large number of new clusters in the United States were seeded by travelers from Europe. After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans. To keep new cases from entering our shores, we will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. The new rules will go into effect Friday at midnight. U.S. futures turned sharply lower during President Trump's address. The Dow currently looks set to open around 800 points lower on the back of uh, what we've seen. Uh, The commentary not doing enough to show up markets at this point. Uh, The World Health Organization has declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. 
warning that it expects the number of deaths and affected countries to climb higher. The WHO Director General said several countries have been able to suppress and control the outbreak, but he scolded other world leaders for failing to act quickly enough or drastically enough to contain the spread. So the Dow's 11-year bull run is officially over, with the index closing down more than 20% from its record close, which was only 19 sessions ago. Quite extraordinary. The, the fastest sell-off in history uh, in many ways. And Jeff, the S&P uh, is uh, perhaps a better barometer of broader America, of course, than just the Dow, which has some particularly... Uh, how can I say it, volatile components at the moment. Yes, it does. And um, uh, we see in both of these indices some big American companies in sectors that will be specifically impacted by things like the ban on travel, obviously Boeing in the Dow, which has been very important for taking a lot of points off the indices as we've seen these declines here. This is a, a broader market measure, as you say, Steve. The S&P 500, as you can see, off nearly 5%. And it does appear at this point that whatever the officials do, however bullish they seem on the measures that they themselves are introducing to try and arrest the decline in confidence, it's not having a great deal of impact at this point. We see in, in these trading sessions real whiplashing of sentiment and here unremitting. We are down again on the S&P and the early call on the futures is that we will be down again. And obviously um, the momentum story, the growth story has been around the technology stocks and they, like everybody else in the market, have suffered. And I think in a sense that there's, you look across the, the, the investment community and the technology companies in particular have been a darling of the mum and pop investor who's been trying to get access to growth. And the problem is the growth will just not be there if we ultimately are tipped into recession later this year worldwide and in the United States. So as you can see, we're off nearly 5% on the NASDAQ as well in the session. And the early call is that we will be lower according to the futures here. So it doesn't matter if it's the Dow, the S&P or the NASDAQ. They're all being swept along in this reduced confidence. Uh, with the Asian markets in the same category, and uh, we had a sell-off that started really in February for many of these markets, which of course had coronavirus infection in these countries growing at a much rapid rate as we've now seen a spread across to Europe but really first dealing with the crisis particularly when it comes to China, South Korea and Japan. If you look at these markets today you can see again sharply lower in the Japanese stock market has another cross current of safe haven flows going into the Japanese yen and you've got uh, selling in that market uh, for odd percent today. If you keep in mind where we started out the year 24,000 the level on the Nikkei now around 18,500 in today's level so that tells you just how sharp the decline has been. The other one where you an incredibly steep curve, almost unrelenting in terms of the sell-off, has been the Australian market, now down a fairly mighty 7.3%. In many ways, this is a market that's always kept an eye on Wall Street in particular, first up for many, many decades, then kept a close eye on China, given the close links to that key economy. But it seems this time around very much taking its lead from Wall Street. When it comes to the Chinese market, a reverse of 1.7%. You've got to say that's more contained at this point versus some of those other markets. So uh, a couple of points come to mind, but I I, I, I just relate a couple to 
Jeff off camera. I'll share them with you in a minute, Karen, and the viewers as well. But look, here we go. Look, the, the oil price undoubtedly under a vast amount of pressure for all the right reasons, for the reasons that demand is not naturally picking up, of course, because of all the aforementioned reasons and, and very good reasons as well, when it would normally pick up at these lower levels as well. Although I hasten to add the Chinese cases is declining dramatically. And which country was it, ladies and gentlemen, that led the X factor in terms of demand on the upside when we originally had our peaks over the last few years? Exactly. But just leave that there because that's not happening at the moment. The, the negative factors are dominant. In fact, some of my, uh, um, uh, my, my contacts uh, in and around the oil world are talking about the egos within OPEC and their uh, erstwhile allies, the Russians, and saying we probably will get something at some stage, but it's going to take a long while for those eagles to soothe down after the events of the last week or so. Gold, again, is one that, I mean, yes, if you own gold, you have a stable asset, but the fact of the matter is it is not giving you that much insulation in terms of actual profits. It's just not going down as much as everything else. And I hasten to add that our high in gold was 17 hundred dollars a troy ounce as well so look i'll just say the, the opening calls very quickly and then i just want to make one more point as well so the FTSE may have been over in Italy, called down about 1,000 points. The FTSE, 55.77, taking out those Brexit lows and then some as well. The Zetradax called down 531 points. The Cacarant down 251. And my question is this. It's an open question. And I'm not trying to make everything look rosier, glass half full. There is no glass half full scenario at the moment. But what is happening to all that money that isn't being spent by people and real people out there who are still employed, are going to get their statutory sick pay, who are being looked after by their companies, which is the vast amount of people at the moment. People are not at the moment being laid off in their drove. That may well happen next. So what is happening to those people? Are they still spending money? Are they saving money? Are they putting down their debt levels as well? They're clearly not investing it in the stock market. So what I'm saying to you is, yes, things are suitably bad. And I hope you don't take what I'm about to say uh, as, oh, Steve Sedgwick's bullish the market or Steve Sedgwick's bullish in any way, because I'm not. But what I'm saying is money is being spent on something in many, many ways. You look at the hoarding that some people are doing. You look at the stockpiling that some people are doing. You look at the transportation which is being used to get those goods to the consumer as well. So in consumer-related economies, such as the US and the UK, which is 60-70% of the broader economy, stuff is still happening. People are still taking out their contracts for Netflix. People are are still downloading their movies in their droves as they self-isolate work. So money is still being spent. And what I'm saying is, everything is being sold off aggressively. That is very clear. There is no plunge protection, despite our, our, our thinking about it over the years. But people are still buying stuff, or they're saving a vast amount of money. I'm not sure it's the latter. I'll leave that there. I would just say some people, because we've got a very different workforce, so even in this country, let alone around the world. You've got lots of contractors, for instance, who might have seen their businesses go from here to here. I mean, we're just talking to some of the taxi services companies where they've seen about 60 or percent drop. Airlines, an extraordinary reaction that you've seen, and many workers sidelined. So, so when we, what, are the what you're looking for, consumers of those products doing well, with their money. But, but what you're looking forward to is a recovery potentially down the track for no, some of those no, I'm consumers. I'm, you don't put words in my mouth. I'm not looking for a recovery. Then why we're we, we talking about it because you think that there might be upside at some point down the track. We'll no, again, Karen, you're desperately trying to put words in my mouth. I'm asking questions. <laughs> I'm not putting anything, I'm not saying there's a recovery. I'm not saying there's a trade here. I'm asking the questions, what is happening to all that money that isn't being spent by people who are still gamefully employed? Who knows at the point? At this point, what I wanted to move on to was what we're well, seeing from I central banks. Because yeah, sure. I, I think there is a, there is a useful 
um, issue that we should explore here. And, and one is the short term. And I think of the short term, people are just moving to the sidelines. They're scared. They're hoarding goods and they're hoarding their capital because they don't know what to do with it at this stage. And that seems to be a wise solution. Mm -hmm. If you see the market falling a thousand points at a time, that is panic selling. You do not want to participate in that. Move to the sidelines. But I'll make a, a sort of longer term point. The paradig paradox of thrift, as exposed or expounded by Keynes, suggests that as interest rates continue to decline, people do not rush out and spend. They conserve their cash because they're worried that they'll get lower and lower returns on their capital. The response from monetary authorities to this has been to lower interest rates to try and stimulate economic activity. Perversely, it may have the opposite effect. People will try and conserve more and more cash because they worry about their cash levels going forward. You just underline what's happened in Germany over the last 10 years. Well, that's what's happened in the Eurozone over the last 11 years, Which hasn't it? Which begs the in question, reality. was President Trump right to hold back on some form of big stimulus program? There's some disappointment in the market yesterday that nothing was unveiled. Is there any point at this stage when you're not going to get that animal spirits around the, the consumption community? Is it best to wait until we're through much of this crisis at this point? I think if we look forward but to the ECB today, we are waiting for some form of response. But again, no. does it come too early? And are we looking for a response from policymakers that is similar to a financial crisis because immediate measures were required? Is this time different where we need a staggered approach because we may have a much longer crisis because we don't know the end point for coronavirus? I, I don't know the answer to that question. But what I'm saying is it's not even animal spirits when it comes to consumption, as you just said. I'm quoting you there. It's about buying toilet rolls. It's about buying hand sanitizer. Down the track, it, when you try no, to get no, people no, no. back it's to It's about normal. buying it today. It's about buying tinned peaches. It's about what people's natural reaction is. They are buying in their droves. Uh, again, Middle England, you've only got to look at Waitrose, or you've only got to look at, I don't know, Partridges if it's Jeff, or Audi if it's Meals. I don't know, whoever. But what I'm saying is people are buying lots of goods. It's very clear. And of all the things to stockpile, toilet roll? I mean, there are alternatives, ladies and gentlemen. Well, but, let, let me just throw in another point here. I, I think part of the problem is that there's been no international coordination of response. And the reality is you see very different outcomes in different countries at the moment because people have reacted in different ways. And arguably at this stage, and there is a lot of criticism coming towards the European Union at this point, suggesting that there was a level of complacency that the organisation that sits above these Eurozone nations or these EU nations should have been more aggressively making preparations that national governments could have worked with and imposed. Did you say complacency impotence? Well, you can run with whichever word you like, well, but the, qu the, the, question, the question is, why have we got lower death rates now in South Korea or Singapore or Hong Kong compared to Italy? And as we look at the way different countries are responding to this, will that ultimately be a judgment on the capability of the governments in those countries to understand the I, way this virus is evolving. And I'm our director, because no director, they haven't all got authoritarian governments as well. There is a swathe of democracies in the countries, Jeff, we just mentioned as well. There's been lots of testing well. in South Korea, for instance, and there have been some links to maybe they're catching cases earlier. Speaking of which, let's get out to Sherry for more on the greater China market moves. Uh, Sherry's been watching China, but also many of these other key markets across Asia. Sherry. Sorry. That's right. Yeah, thank you very much, Karen. So uh, just to add to that uh, robust discussion that you guys were having, what's happening here, well, in the greater China markets, or I should say in China, 
certainly a different dynamics playing out because of what the Chinese authorities following, of course, the Chinese President Xi Jinping's visit to the epicenter of coronavirus has been that let's go back to work. I mean, even Hubei province, which is where this coronavirus originated from, Global Times is reporting that it's partially things are being eased in terms of uh, travel restrictions. They are resuming production as well. And even uh, one of the uh, op-ed by uh, the uh, China, uh, state-run uh, China Daily was talking about how local governments in China should now make sure that people return to work. So perhaps that's the reason why we see this uh, less intense sell-off that, uh, you know, uh, in the stock markets and also that relative resilience in the year-to-date performance when it comes to mainland Chinese markets. So having said that, uh, of course, we are also hearing from the likes of Numura betting on uh, a triple R cut in a few days to come. So that's another positive, perhaps, that, that played out in the market, although selling did do- uh, dominate in today's session as well. As you can see, Shanghai Composite down 1.6%, but looking very, uh, you know, much more orderly than other markets in the Asian, uh, you know, region this morning. In the meantime, it's a different story for Hong Kong stocks that the Hang Seng Index now getting very close to the bear market territory. And of course, uh, we are watching that year-to-date performance as well, down about, uh, you know, 13 uh, percent uh, for so far in 2020. We're in the thick of earnings season. If you uh, look at uh, the outlook for 2020, not so different from what we saw in 2019 performance. Sure, 2019, the story was the social unrest hitting major uh, industries here in Hong Kong, like tourism, retail and properties. And now they're talking about COVID-19 having negative impact as well. And, uh, you know, just a case in point, Swire Pacific, talking about recurring loss in the first half of this year. So perhaps that's the reason why Hang Seng Index is not really enjoying whatever positive uh, factors that mainland Chinese bourses are enjoying um, this uh, in, in recent sessions. And really quickly, Taiwan just closing for the day down more than a 4%. And the central bank there is talking about how coronavirus, if it spreads, through the third quarter of this year, then they cannot really meet the growth target of 2% for the year. Guys? Excellent. Thank you very much indeed for that, Sherry. Okay, ahead. From lockdown to shutdown, Italy tightens its restrictions on businesses as it suffers the biggest one-day jump in coronavirus deaths. And just a reminder, if you don't have enough time to watch us on screen but want more on the big moves in markets and views on how to navigate them, we do have our own podcast. It's available at all the usual places. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out The Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, The Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse.
Here's the opening calls for European markets. So yesterday, again in reverse, it's been the fifth straight negative session we've had as we closed up shop. About three quarters of 1% down, so more modest if you look at the percentage swings. But it's the run of red ink that investors have noted. And you can see this morning what we're now watching, particularly for the Italian market, a triple digit point down, almost four digits. In fact, as you look at uh, a number close to 1,000 points expected to be stripped off the Italian FTSE MIB, the French market trades lower, 251 early on. And you can see a reversal expected for both the DAX and the UK stock market. Just in context for the DAX, it was only down a third of a percent yesterday, but over the course of the week, it has shed nine and a half percent. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And look, let's all take a step back. We all admit we know nothing about coronavirus in terms of our expertise, but we all think we know quite a bit about markets in terms of our expertise. But at all, the, the, the latter bit we think we know about, it's been quite turned on its head, quite frankly, because nobody really can say with conviction, and I, yeah, maybe some of our guests will do later on today, they think this is definitely going to happen. All they can say is, well, we just don't know, but maybe you should take, be more cautious. But then you add a third element into this as well, and, and it's the psychology. And I don't know about you, and I'm, I'm talking as a, a human being to our viewers here as well, it's the psychology of looking at these vast moves and these vast pieces of wealth destruction every day. Because look, let's be honest about it, whether it's in our uh, our, our pension, our 401k, our, our, our liquid holdings, most of us are taking a bit of a bath at the moment in asset classes. And it's amazing how quickly one goes from the terror of the big moves to the downside to going, you know, she's almost as you did there, actually. She's like, yeah, down another thousand points on the FTSE mirror, but FTSE, oh, just 282. You know, these are enormous wealth destruction moves. And I just find it fascinating looking at the psychology of us as presenters, right. as the pundits, and indeed that audience we're, we're talking we're to out there. We're doing circuit breaker seemingly, and yesterday you thought we might have it with the FTSE and with the Bank of England, extraordinary moves by you know Treasury and Central Bank to try and step in and provide some support. Yet the FTSE didn't fare well. It was still down 1.4%. Horrendous moves to the downside. Right. Um, you're a student of psychology. We'll get back to you a little bit later on. You haven't, you haven't escaped that conversation, despite the director telling me to move on. Uh, right. Italy has tightened its lockdown in response to the rising death toll from coronavirus, ordering all non-essential shops and services to close. The Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte said supermarkets and pharmacies will be the only retailers which will be allowed to stay open. The restrictions uh, come as the virus death toll surges over 30% on Wednesday to more than 800. That's an Italian figure. Uh, that is the biggest daily jump since the start of the outbreak. Now, Mr. Conte said the world was watching to see how Italy responds in the fight against the virus. At this moment, the whole world is certainly looking at us for the numbers of the contagion. They see a country that is in difficulty, but they also appreciate us because we are showing great strictness and great resistance. And I have a deep conviction. I would like to share it with you. Tomorrow, not only will they look at us again and admire us, but they will take us as a positive example of a country that, thanks to its sense of community, has managed to win its battle against this pandemic. Claudia, again, I was talking about psychology and again, people's behavioural patterns. And very interesting, when the world heard it was being called a pandemic from the WHO yesterday, I think a lot of us just saw that and said, yeah, we know. So in a similar vein, maybe I should ask you, Mr. Conte saying these premises will be shut now. I'm sure Italians have already made the decision not to go to those places in the most part, haven't they? 
Well, for the most part, yes. But still, yesterday was a sunny day here in Milan, and I was actually surprised, standing where I am right now, that I saw more people walking around versus Monday. So uh, it seems as though not everyone really got the full message uh, of what uh, the government is asking. And so that is why they had to step it up and put in uh, more severe measures. Remember that these measures yesterday were being discussed, and the rumor was that it was just going to apply to Lombardy and possibly the Piedmont region. Uh, so the decision, and in this uh, uh, sort of surprise decision uh, that the government made to apply it to all of Italy, of course, is uh, part of uh, getting the message across in a very clear manner. It's really difficult to put people like us, all of us, uh, uh, closed up in, in their homes. I mean, uh, I have to be you know, out because of my job, but if I didn't have to be here, I'm certain that it would be very frustrating to be uh, cooped up at home all day long. It's not easy. People were in parks yesterday, all laying around uh, trying to get some sun because they were allowed to be outside for physical movement. It's kind of not clear whether you can do that again today, so I'm sure many Milanese will be testing that. But just around me where I'm standing, there is a bar that we were going to here on breaks uh, to get a bottle of water, a coffee. That bar is closed. So there is nothing open here in Piazza del Duomo. Uh, definitely today there are less people walking around. So the message has come across. The measures are strict. They need to be strict. And as Conte was saying, everyone is watching us and sort of we're an example uh, to give the message to everybody else and all the other, especially European countries, uh, that this is, uh, this is serious. This is uh, going to put medical systems under a lot of pressure. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.